Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined, as always, by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I am Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. We are a little bit deeper into our team previews. This is the second to last team preview podcast. We will be doing the Penn State Nittany Lions the Iowa Hawkeyes, and then the Maryland Turpins. Three three teams that we're, we're going to dig deep into. It's going to be a good one. It is going to be a good one. You know yeah. what was a good one for me? What's that? This past weekend was yeah, a good yeah, one yeah, for yeah. me. Why is that? I went down to a little state called Iowa. Okay. Okay, you may have heard, heard of, it. of it. I went to a little town called Des Moines yeah. in Iowa, Yeah. and I went to see a show, a live show, in person, Wells Fargo Arena, packed house, probably 10,000 people in there, and saw Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan. And it was awesome. Yeah. And, and I was having so much it's, fun. Dude, it just seemed like there was a ton of people that I've known, kind of heard different podcasts even. Like, there's, there's a decent amount of people that went to that show. It was great. I mean, it was a great crowd, and he really played up the Iowa angle. Like, okay. you know, of course... It's just just what comedians do, but right. he was complimenting the people of Iowa, state of Iowa. He made towards the very end of the show, yeah, getting towards the end of the show, he made a Dan Gable reference, and the place really? just erupted. Really? Oh my god! He yes. knew enough. I mean, he's MMA guy. Well, yeah, he knows he, yeah. Ultimate Warriors sure. like that, like Dan Gable. So that's pretty cool that and, he would do that. He doesn't have to do that, but he knows he of gives course. a shout out to Gable, and it's the place is gonna go nuts. That's hilarious because you've got the Iowa. And the Iowa State. You can really get both going. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's pr- I just, it might have been the biggest applause of the whole show. That's hilarious. And then, I mean, I know me and you talked about it a little bit, but he's known more as a talker you now, but he has got his chops moving through, you know, Hollywood or whatever as a comedian. He was funny is what you said. Oh, he was hysterical. Okay. And and I like Joe. I I really I listen to his podcast, not all the time. It's got to it's got to be a guest that really kind of grabs yep. me, but when it, when it does, I love his podcast cuz it's like 3 hours. You know, he sits down and talks to somebody. So it's a, it's a lot of content there. <clears throat> but I've never I've never really, you know, followed his stand-up comedy career really i've seen some of his stand-up and and, and a little bit you know but and i've enjoyed some of it but he was hilarious he wasn't just funny wow it was awesome that's that's cool um and his his uh what do you call the 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 warm-up the warm-up guy uh before him his name is tony hinchcliffe who i kind of know not personally but i know his stuff and he was amazing like i was I was embarrassed at some he of the things. He was dirty on top of dirty is what you said. Well, it wasn't dirty, so to speak. There was some dirtiness, okay. but it was just non-PC type of county. That I, you, I I don't know how he got away with it. I mean, I don't know how you would have gotten away with it 10 years ago or even 15. And he was saying, I like I, I just had like my head in my hands at, for a few I'm sure jokes. most, I'm sure many people felt the same way. Like I said, I've there's got to be some, some strategery going on there where um, – you know, you bring him out to set the bar high or low, depending yeah. on how you want to look at it. So then Rogan could come out and maybe right. sound a little classier compared right. to him. I don't know. You you can't tell me Joe Rogan didn't handpick that guy to be his warm up act. Well, and and I know they're buddies. So he has him on the the podcast quite okay. a bit. So, okay. um, but Anyways. it was a no phone show, so they didn't have to worry about people recording stuff. You sure. know, yeah. But man, um, it was, and by the way, I'm sitting there like, I can't believe how much fun I'm having. And it occurred to me because this is the most normal thing I've done in since, many a year since pre-pandy. Right. 
It's the first time I've seen a real live honest to goodness show that was just normal. Correct. So good. Congrats. It, it was awesome. Good. We had a blast. Only three and a half hour drive. It's not too far to get down there. Twenty four hour trip from my front door to my front door. On the butt on the button. On the button. Drove down there, slept for a few hours, that's, drove that's home. a trip that two single guys can pull off. Not uh not a not a guy with uh uh wife and kids such as me. So one guy of group of four of us. Okay. One guy married, the other three single. Oh, okay. All right. I just yeah. think it was just you and okay. Cool. Good stuff. I mean, it's funny with Joe Rogan. Um like I didn't really know him. I kind of knew him as a comedian actor. Then all of a sudden, he was big into UFC. Yeah. And like, then the talk show. Now he's back to comedy. You know, he's just one of those dudes. He and then to a certain degree, I don't know why. He reminds me of. I'm, I'm gonna struggle at this, but short little guy that does NFL shows. That's also into MMA, boxing, and he gets the insider scoop. Stuff. Yeah, I know um, who you're talking about. It's like they're the kind of the same person. I mean, he's not a comedian. What I can't think of his name, but I mean, it, it is amazing how diversified Joe's career is. Yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. It's just weird. Never know what he could pop and, up, wind up doing. I mean, he was on Fear Factor. Remember For, he, Fear Factor? There's another yeah. just weird thing. He's like, a, how does he get these gigs? Talk radio. He's right. on that. that talk sitcom. radio. I mean, that was that was when he was still kind of deep into his, uh, uh, you know, acting and comedic careers. So right. That made more sense. But yeah. But anyway, yeah. Fantastic way to spend a Friday. Talk radio, and I, I'm gonna botch a name again. I can't think of it. But the head guy was one of the dudes in Kids in the Hall. Um, okay. Kids in the Hall. You had to have been. A oh, kids of course. Hall. They're they're. They're doing some sort of reunion thing. Oh, that, that'll be cool. Dude, I, I I remember discovering kids in the hall when I was like middle school or so, maybe late middle school, early high school. And it was like odd humor. Like and I some didn't of know what to th- and I I'm not, I don't think I'm overstating it to say that it helped me grow up in understanding comedy because their comedy was so off the wall. And I and I I've loved comedy like that my whole life. And there's so much they had so much uncomfortable comedy yes. where it was so dumb and awkward that you still some like it wasn't funny, but you still laughed somehow. Correct. Bingo. Yeah. Uh, th- that was there were you. I crushed your head. I crushed <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was oh, a God. good one. <laughs> I crushed your head. Okay. So you got a little bit of housekeeping to do here. Housekeeping. No, thank you. Sleeping. This Twitter account at CFB Home. Yep, pretty big Twitter account. Yep, it's the first place that we saw this, right? And I can't say that that he invented it, but he sure got a lot of 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 okay. traction off it. Oh my okay, god! Okay, so he puts out this this uh, alt uniform. Yes, for the Nebraska. It started with the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Correct. And I oh, I should know the name of that that. Her, little Herbie. Little Herbie. Okay. Yep. It's basically a tribute to Little Herbie. It's got the little straps, the little bibs and yep. everything. And, you know, I looked at him like for a half second. I'm like, really? And I'm like, oh, no, that's a joke. That's got to be a joke. But it got great traction. Huge. And a lot of people believed it. I could not believe how many people believed it. Okay. Like a much higher percentage than what it should have been. Right. So then Trev Alberts comes out and tweets now, Trev Alberts, of course, used to play at Nebraska, new AD at Nebraska, and he destroyed everybody's hopes and dreams by saying, hate to break it to everyone, there won't be any overalls on our football uniforms this season. Lil Red. Lil Red. Yeah. We'll not be taking questions this time. Please respect his privacy, which is a pretty funny tweet, by the way. So Tre- if, if College Football Home was the one who started it, or really just to anybody who did start it, 
you have got to be sitting back pretty proud of yourself. Yeah. You, dude, it's it's a free app. You can put something. It's not like he, you know, I don't think he there's any infringement or anything he did wrong. He just thought it would be funny, threw it out there. 24 hours later, the head of the athletic department of Nebraska is tweeting. That is hilarious. Man. I mean, he might have taken over the Big Ten today, if not for this. Right. So Samson James running back for Indiana, much ballyhooed recruit amazing story of his recruitment he was committed to ohio state he was at the ohio state game they were playing indiana in columbus they beat indiana he leaves campus decommits from ohio state commits to indiana last year he tp'd he undp'd and that was right after heart moved from uh my cart moved from indiana up to michigan well now he's back in the tp yeah so he just he loves hanging out in that tp you know i'm not saying anytime a kid changes his mind on something that he is, you know, definitely going to going to flame out, but it's a red flag. I think it's fair yeah. to say once you commit and you decommit and do stuff like that. I don't know. We'll see where he winds up. I think he's talented enough kid where somebody's going to take a flyer on him, but wherever it lands. I mean, first of all, is it going to be a much better place than Indiana? I, I mean, this is a a program on the rise. They like to feature their running back. He had a great opportunity here. Well, and, you know, he was getting some carries. He was starting to improve. He he was kind of set up for this year, it seemed like to me. Right. So, and it got me to thinking, you know, this was a really highly ranked recruit. It was a huge steal for Indiana. And then, you know, could be, who knows, maybe he stays, but probably he's going to be gone. And that's just what happens when programs like Indiana recruit someone like that or they land someone like that. And Ohio State, probably when you decommitted from Ohio State, they're probably like, you know what? Eh, we'll just get someone else. Yeah, and they're going to be fine with uh, their true freshman running back that seems to be turning heads in camp already. So, yeah, um, the rich get richer to a certain degree, but I don't know. I mean, you you, you got to wind up and see how Indiana winds up at running back this year and where he yeah. winds up. For, I mean, it's too early to tell. I mean, there could be coaches and, and teammates on the team are like, you know what? It, it was time for you to move on. Anyways, who knows? But, Maybe. Yeah. 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 Okay, so moving on, we have some bad news here. A couple injuries. Adisa Isaac is out. Yeah. Do we know what happened? Do you know what happened? I, I, I have not seen it get released yet. It was something that the underground Penn State fans knew about a week ago, it sounds like, and then it okay. was confirmed pretty much right after practice started for Penn State. Uh, it was a non-contact injury. It didn't mm. happen, and so we did. But it could have been something. The way they're wording it makes me think it happened like, not even working out like he did it on his own or something. That's completely uh, throwing a, a, a guess out there with that. But tripped anyways, over a parking block, for instance, so, something, something, something weird like that is kind of is kind of what it feels like. So uh, for those that don't know, defensive end for Penn State, we should yep, point out. Yeah. Uh, so but somebody that was like I said, where it's ironic that we're breaking Penn State down. I mean, it was somebody that they thought were going to be in the rotation. So a little bit of a loss for them. Yeah, I think projected to start. OK, yep. more injuries. Boy, deep tight end room in Lincoln, maybe not quite as deep anymore. These are kind of rumors at this point, but it sounds like both Austin Allen and Travis Vokalek both got injured. Dinged up. Yeah, I think. So Austin Allen dinged, but Vokalek injured. That's that's what our sources are telling us okay. right now. Hopefully the sources are wrong and they're both healthy and they're ready to play football this fall, but it looks like one is probably going to be okay and the other one not so much yeah and obviously huge impact there on the week zero game at uh illinois in champaign and then finally we could have talked on this the last couple podcasts it's yeah it's a little bit old news but it's worth mentioning probably should mention the quinn ewers uh number one recruit in the country ohio state commit yeah 
he has decided to forego his senior year of high school and join the Buckeye team. You, you can't tell me that the powers that be that, you know, got the NIL going and, you know, let's get, let these kids be kids and do whatever they want. I bet they didn't have this in mind. A kid foregoing his senior year of high school to leave the state of Texas because they do not allow NIL in Texas so he can physically move himself to the state of Ohio and make some cash. Going after that cheddar. As a 17-year-old. Yeah. Uh, I think he's 18, actually. Oh, he he, is. uh, Thanks, Mr. Mr. Ohio, for a little bit of insider information on that. He... He was already old for his class, so he is, okay. he would have been a I think he would have dang near turned nineteen before he even got on campus if he did a, the normal school year or or whatever. So he's a little bit older, eighteen years old. Um, you know, <laughs> there's all the all the cliches. You know, like of course the first joke that went into my head was, well, thankfully, you know, Ohio State's got some depth in the quarterback. Room Finally, now. I mean, we were getting really concerned there. I don't. We will see where this goes anybody that can handle it ryan day will be just fine but this is kind of a weird deal that you have four highly ranked court i mean three definitely highly ranked quarterbacks yeah maybe one that's a little three and a half Yeah. yeah um but i mean four quarterbacks that most colleges would love to have they've got four of them now i have a hard time believing Quinn Ewers will come in and and take over the starting role yeah, in the I, next three no. weeks. Like I think pretty much he thinks he's pretty much going to redshirt and make some cash this year. Learn learn life on campus and then give it a shot next yeah, spring and fall. Sure, just get acclimated. Yeah. And um, and maybe a couple of the other quarterbacks clear out after they don't win the job. Right. And then suddenly he's the backup next year. So me and you had asked a question to a different podcast. What would you set the over under at? for how many quarterbacks are going to leave in the next six months or so. We said that podcast at the time said it at 1.5. Yeah. Maybe a, a nudge it up to two. Cause no, you, I think 1.5 is still the number. I think so. Definitely one transfers out, but for we're sure. right on the edge of two. Yes. Going. Yeah. Which keep it at one, but you're right. It would stay at 1.5, but it's just a shame. I mean, good, good for you. Ohio state way to go, but it's just a shame that those guys don't, just all go yeah. to different programs. But they're going to wind – two of them are going to wind up going somewhere else. I know. That's how it's going to go. But, like, why not just go there in the first place? I understand that. I There is no disagreement that I have with you on that. At the same time, a lot of these kids are probably like, I got the scholarship offer. It's a committable offer. I'll, I won't be able to live with myself for the rest of my life if I don't go to the cream of the crop and give it a shot. And, oh, by the way, he could leave Ohio State – and fall back into another cream of the crop type of program most of the yeah, guys. So. But here, I'll give you an example. Okay, Quinn Ewers from Texas. Why not go to, like, Purdue, where you know you just get to throw the ball all over the field. If Brom had a guy like that, he's going to take advantage of it. Yeah. And you start right away, and you're the big man on campus. NIL, you're going to make – I would think you'd make more NIL there than as a redshirt backup, four-string um, quarterback at Ohio State. I don't State. know about <laughs> The reports of the deals that he's already got lined up. Are you serious? Yeah. So oh, I, I think there was a real reason why he left his senior year. Like he's got <sighs> offers on the table. So, hey, man, I ain't saying I like it. I'm saying that's the truth of the fact of the matter, what's going on right now. Well, and I don't at- think it's – I mean, Quinn Ewers could wind up being – I'm not saying this is going to happen to any Ohio State fans, but like – he could wind up being the first guy that like is a big deal but flames out because yeah. he got cash and success too early. Right. I, I would think Ryan Day 
and the mystique of the Ohio State football program will keep him in the fold, and and that won't happen. But I'm just saying, like, it, it, it could be a thing. You're going to see that happen with somebody, is my point. By the way, I started laughing because I just thought about this. Did you see Marky Mark bought yes. a what, truck do, for Jack Sawyer, the defensive what, end? What what is the what's behind that? I, I, I just, don't know. Other than for for some reason, Mark Wahlberg owns a car dealership in Columbus. Okay, but there's he doesn't have a connection to Ohio. But why why him? And I, I don't know. Honestly, you know, busy enough with things where I was just like, I don't I don't even feel like clicking on that story and reading through it, so I just did not. But I, I saw the headline for whatever that. Well, worth. hopefully, Marky Mark does better selling cars than making burgers. Not so good at burgers. Yeah, I went once. Yeah. Nah. I'm gonna try it out at some point. I eh, Maple yeah. Grove, right? That's close it's well. It's, there's one in the mall, yeah. Mall of America. I just, gotcha. My sister was in town. I avoid the mall like the plague, but she wanted to go, so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna be at the bar. Yeah. And so I just picked Marky Burger. Marks. Okay. Um, the last thing I would add, uh, I got curious and I did watch some highlights of Quinn Ewers. <laughs> it's pretty good. Uh, it's got that weird throwing motion though. A little of. bit, yeah. but it's accurate. He's an athlete. Yeah. Uh, and the last thing I guess I'll add, that's a, we turn this into a Quinn Ewers podcast. Penn State fans are going to love that. Um, I'm tired of these mullets, man. Like, you it's know, ugly. Dude, I, I know it's like they're being kitschy. I think, right? Like, I think so. They believe they're in on the 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 joke themselves, yes. right, by doing the Correct. mullet. Um, well, it's like when you do like but, a porn But stash. take it from a guy that came from the Frosted Tips era. Yeah. It's not going to age well. It's going to look stupid, but whatever. Have fun. You're a kid, I guess. Pictures of me circa, you know, 1985. Yeah. Not not pretty. Well, no. Yeah. Well, I had the mullet looking... gone. It's like. It was kind of a mullet thing. Yeah. Okay. That was the mulletish era, 85 to 7, somewhere around there. Do you remember Rat Tales? Oh, yeah, of course. I. I... I, I I steered clear of oh. I, I think I think my parents were just like at some point they were like no there will be none of that or maybe my <laughs> older brothers you know just I stayed I steered clear of rat tails though I, I remember steered them. clear of the old rat tail and yeah. I did not have a mullet for long Good. I will say that yeah business in the front party in the back yeah but there is like you know family pictures a little segment there that's pretty embarrassing to look at we all got those yeah those are unavoidable all right that's housekeeping let's move on to the teams. All right, into the team previews we go. I don't know if you've noticed, but I've tried to t- tie these teams together. So, like, almost like these each three team on the pod could have, like, a round-robin tournament. So, Penn State-Maryland play each other. Penn State plays Iowa. Maryland plays Iowa. So, all three of these teams kind of are tied together. You know, I've done that a couple th- – I've tried to do it a couple different But times. it's good thinking. I've tried, you know, like – Connect the dots type of Because thing. then, like an Iowa fan, they're going to want to listen to the Penn State section. They're going to want to listen to the Maryland See, section. These are two teams we play type of deal. So, yes. There you go. I like All it. Right. So first up, the Penn State Nittany Lions. Shout out to our guy, MJ Perk at Perkins Penguins. I'd also like to say, I feel like I've got a decent amount of Penn State followers and on the podcast as well. I don't know. I, I feel like the good Penn State fans are great college football fans, and we're always happy to chat them up on Twitter. So last five years... 46 and 16. That's not bad. Not too shabby. Uh, that, and then and think about that. That's with, you know, starting 0 and 5 last year wow. before, before finishing 4 and 5. That's impressive. Right? That's yeah. a pretty. So out of the 16 losses, five of them happened last year in what I think most people believe is an odd Rona year. Yeah. It's right? amazing. Um, James Franklin. Uh, I like James Franklin as a coach. He's definitely a great CO, definitely a great recruiter. I think most college football fans and programs 
would be perfectly happy having James Franklin being their head coach. Maybe I'm looking at things through the blue and white eyes a little bit, but I still feel like he gets dogged quite a bit. He gets Maybe dogged. Maybe dumb Twitter. But I don't you think a little bit of it's just like he could improve in-game a little bit. And I think even a lot of Penn State fans would. But yeah. The overall thing, you know, it's like, I don't know. It's like dealing with my wife. I can do nine things in a row. Great. But the one thing I don't do right. What, what do I hear about? The only one you hear about. I feel like that's what James Franklin has going on. I mean, because he bit. recruits well. And to be honest with you, as we know from MJ Perk, uh, he, he laid it all out there for us. He actually achieves up to his recruiting prowess and, and even above a little bit. That's accurate. Yeah. For the development, them going to the yes. NFL and whatnot, which they're very good at, too. All right. So let's, uh, you know, we'll start with the offense. So last year, you know, you look at these numbers, right? Uh, sometimes the stats lie, but I, I'm just curious on your take on this. Total offense, right? 37th in the country at 430 yards per game. That's not bad. Yeah, it, it didn't seem that good. Okay. Is that fair? Yes. Okay. And then uh, scoring offense... Not quite as good, 54th, uh, just short of 30 points per game. But again, and maybe that's why it didn't seem quite as good. The, the yards got to answer to points. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's go ahead and start with the quarterback, okay? Well, I mean, that's, that's the best place to start, I suppose, because really this is the X factor of their entire season. It, it, it is. I'm not sure if we could name a bigger X factor for his team and perhaps even the success of the Big Ten, you know, of, the, of how the Big Ten slides up and down yeah. for how for how teams finish than Sean Clifford at Penn State. Because for some reasons we're going to go over now, to me, if this guy has an awesome breakout year, this is a team that can win the Big Ten. Okay, so I'm not going to deny that at all. I mean, I, I totally agree with that. Um, So I, I believe that parts of that are true, but I... I've tried to plot this out. Okay. Sean Clifford, his good is better than people's. His good is not great, but his good happens more often than people realize. Okay. His bad does not happen as often as people realize, but the bad is so bad that it sticks in your head. Yeah. I guess for me, it's like, Okay, Penn State's an elite program within the Big Ten, but they don't have an elite quarterback. Right. So and if I, you want to, if you want to, I mean, if you want to challenge Ohio State, you got to have elite quarterback play to do that. Okay. So, so I mean, I'm not like Sean Clifford is who Sean Clifford is, I suppose, but yeah, his bad is really bad. Okay. Now here's but what we I'm need more at. than what Sean Clifford's been. I agree. A so, lot more. Um. I've learned what a Venn diagram is. Okay. Then I was trying to picture in my head what I believe is a scattered dot matrix or okay. a scattered dot graph. This is how I think it would look where, you know, on the plus side, on the top side of the graph is good. And the higher you get is, is great plays. And then on the bottom of it is, is bad, you know, and the lower you get is bad plays. Most of his plays are right near the line. And I would say that most of his plays are actually... And, of a, course, by line, you're t like a, a linear representation linear line, of all the points on the right. plot. And then you're, 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 you're plotting the dots. Yeah, linear okay? average, I guess. L linear average. Yeah. I can't... I'm not... I couldn't figure out what you actually would call the graph. Anyways, long story short, if you're above the line, you're good. Below the line, you're bad. Yeah. I think most of his dots 
are actually above the line for good. That's probably fair. But they just don't get that fire up, okay? Yeah. Then there's some dots below, but there's barely any dots right below the line. And then all of a sudden, there's just seven or eight just nasty-looking dots Hmm. way on the bottom. So here is what offensive coordinator Mike Urich needs to do. Try to eliminate almost all of those nasty dots at the bottom and just move a couple of those good dots a little bit higher. Point I'm trying to make, you don't have to turn him into Justin Fields 2.0. That's not going to happen. So you think his skill set is good enough, let's say. His skill set is good enough to win 10 games for sure and making a run at the Big Ten Championship. And a, a part of that is I don't think he gets enough credit for his legs. His legs need to be brought into the equation. Yeah. Feast or famine with Sean Clifford, if he gets hurt, running a little bit of, you know, RPO stuff, do it because I've seen him do it and he's done pretty well. Don't overcomplicate the game with too much, you know, downfield passing. You got to do it some because we got yeah, some good receivers. I feel like at times about. last year they went too deep into the Sean Clifford running the ball. Okay. Well, I'm looking at it more like a good mix of Yeah. Now this is what's going to get ironic because I kept thinking like who's a team that could work as a pilot for what I think I could see Sean Clifford do. And it would be what they did with Tanner Morgan in 2019, which is ironic because which offensive coordinator did they try to hire? Yeah. And that was a a dumpster fire. But I don't know what to say, but something like that, where you're not putting too much on him, but you're still giving him a chance to make plays and just essentially get the ball into the hands of these playmakers, which we can talk about now. We tell you, if we start seeing too many of those dots below the line, like way below the line again, I'd like to see take take one Roberson and just see what he's got. Highly I, ranked guy, very athletic, given the ball, let him go. I would say the biggest precursor to Taquan Roberson seeing the field in meaningful action would be if the turnovers either stay or get worse. That's the point where coaches feel comfortable enough with addressing the fan base, addressing the quarterback and his family and saying, we had to make a change. And, you know, he's only listed as a freshman. I think this is his third year, though. Because he redshirted, like yeah. then he gets a redo he's from last year. He's a super freshman. Is he's, that a thing? He's a super freshman. Yeah. So he, it's not like he's green right now. No. Um, so then whoever's the quarterback, I mean, obviously it's odds on favor that Sean Clifford's going to start the year. He's got some receivers to throw here. Well, he's just got – skill position players everywhere for days they, they really do it's i mean it's basically i mean i was gonna say poor man's ohio state at the skill position but i would their running back room is probably better than ohio state running back room is better yeah almost without question i, I mean, mean we'll see what travion henderson does but i mean but deep as hell noah kane yeah kevon lee devon ford and then we kaziah holmes i i still think kaziah holmes is one of them that interests me the most like I think they can use him as like a gadget guy or third down back or whatever you want to call it. But the healthy return of Noah Kane is huge. That was just one of the biggest blows that hit this team and, and they did not recover. He's back. Maybe that alone would have mixed it in enough to take some of the pressure off of Sean Clifford. Yeah. And he would have looked better last year. And remember you get one Kane and Abel reference all year. So that's it. Yep. Just, okay. No, I didn't just, use it yet. No, it? you didn't use it yet. Okay. I'm just saying you get one. You get one every year. The thing is, it would have made sense if I just used it right there. It would have been, yeah. Okay. I'll get it out at some point. Um, yeah, I mean, just bide your time. There's no. plenty of time. 
yeah, I'm gonna. The problem is, I'm gonna, I'm gonna think about it so hard before I'm gonna botch it when I finally do it. <laughs> I, I, I want it to happen organically, but, uh, but anyways, long story short, they are a deep running back room. But I think it's fair to say that Noah Kane needs to stay healthy. With that being said, each one of these running backs got some uh, playing time last year. They were running the ball better at the end of last year. They were running the ball better, not turning the ball over quite as much. That was a big part of the reason why they looked a lot better as a football team at the end of the year. I feel like people kind of forget that. I mean, there were some blowouts on the schedule. Uh, 56-21 uh, versus Illinois, 39-24 versus Michigan State. Rutgers wasn't playing bad, beat them 23-7. to They got kind of hot at the end of last year. I just feel like people are forgetting that a little bit. Yeah, they finally got over the hump. So, obviously, all those skill players are going to help out Sean Clifford, maybe have that good year. But I kind of like the offensive line, too. Two bookends back at tackles and the center's back. That's what you want, right? If you got three guys coming back, you want the bookends and the center. I have kind of you know, intimated to this in other podcasts um, when we have had deep offensive line conversations, okay? Um, Ohio State is the creme de la creme right now. I'm sorry. Until somebody knocks him off for O-line play, that's, that's who's the best. I think in the mix, typically you're going to see Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Iowa – I am ready to say that Penn State should be in that mix with Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Iowa. We've got all-star recruits at the tackles uh, um, with both uh, Rasheed Walker and Caden Wallace. They think Mike Miranda, who's switching over from guard to center, probably. I think that's how it's going to be. He has apparently been fantastic. And how about this for an all-name team? Juice Scruggs, who also Penn State fans like. And then they got enough at mix, mix him. At the other guard spot, Phil Troutwine, this is his second year. This is his second full year. I'm expecting this to be a very good offensive line. Definitely in the in the rushing game. Probably needs to take the biggest step up in pass pro. If they can do that, which I expect him to do, it's going to be huge. And then it all comes back to Clifford again. It does. but And then we kind of skipped over the receivers a little bit. But, man, Jahan Dotson coming back was huge. He could have went pro. Um, and Parker Washington is... I don't know. I still don't feel like enough fans outside the Big Ten under know who Parker Washington is. Had a great year last year. I think they're going to do by the end of the year. And then keep an eye on tight end Theo Johnson. I mean, this is For sure all-star recruit. Penn State definitely knows how to use their tight end, so it's going to be interesting to see how that all fits together. All right, ready to move on to the defense? Yes, sir. Um, so also, I kind of feel like maybe the defense – was looked at being a step back. And I guess maybe it was because their stats are usually so great, but they were 17th in total defense, which is really good. But then weird again, back to the uh, scoring totals, 56 points or uh, uh, 56 in the country, giving up 28 points per game. So it's weird. It's like something's missing there when your total offense and defense is that good, but the total points scored and allowed is not, I don't know what that is. Probably turnovers. Most of the time that points to turnovers, yeah. special teams possibly, but so I think, I think you'll see that change quite a bit. I do that too. 56 number. And yeah, the, obviously a good uh, defense last year. And according to pick six previews, they have 82% of returning production yes. from the defense, which Correct. is good for 24th in the country. So I expect this to be a very good defense again. In fact, I expect them to improve on that 17th and hmm. way improve hmm. on the 56th. Well, I'll tell you this. I'll, I agreed with half that. Um, 
I would guess the total defense stays about the same, okay. but the scoring defense will drop. So I agree with that. I'm going to say this because I don't know if I'll, if we record this podcast for a thousand more years, I don't know if I'd ever have a chance to say this again. Not chance. That, that's not worded right. I don't think there would ever be a time to say this again. I've got questions with Penn State's front seven. Yeah, sure. I mean, obviously stronger on the back end than the front end. And it's, I, I feel like that's reversed for what Penn State's been the last three, four years. Usually. Since Franklin's been there. So we already talked about Adiza Isaac. So, so that's a blow. That's I will a blow. Say that. I mean, I. Now I'll give uh, Perk some credit. Um, he was already uh, uh, more excited about Arnold Ibakidu, so I would say their best chance at a pass rushing defensive end is still healthy and on the roster. Uh, but I mean, Adiza Isaac was looked at for being a starter at the very least, a depth guy. So there is talent for days on the defensive line in front seven. So that's, I mean, that's what I come back to is they always recruit so well. They do, but it's the, it's to me, it's a, it's a two-step thing. I believe they've got talent, but it's green. So they got to sure. get them seasoned. The other side of it is I just feel like there are pieces moving everywhere right now. I feel like every time I get an update on the front seven, somebody's moving. The rumor is that Jesse Lukita the middle linebacker last year is actually moving down to the D line that he was going to put his hand in now, the dirt and maybe something to do with these. Well, Isaac that was going out. to be my question. Do you know, was that because Isaac got injured or were they already planning on doing that? I, I believe they were already planning on doing it. It was something that was discussed. And now this is just kind of, kind of speed it up. The other thing that's weird is again, I agree with you that there's a lot of talent in the front seven, but yet they still went to the transfer portal. From Duke, uh, Derek Tangelo. Um, and then they also got uh, Hakeem Beeman through the transfer portal. It's just crazy. Like, that's not what you expect yeah. out of Penn State, especially in the front seven. Um, and then uh, P.J. Mustafa, he'll yep. he'll still be there. He's an anchor. The stalwart. But then you move to the linebackers. Yeah. Oof, I- starting three. Well, at least, I mean, talent wise, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, but if we're moving Jesse Lukita down to the D line, I mean, to me, the one that but Ellis Brooks just slides right in there. He, he, he does slide. Now, the funny thing is, though, is a lot of people thought Ellis Brooks was going to get beat out at some point. Now they think you're going to slide him into middle linebacker. Brandon Smith is the one that I think is flash the most potential with that being said. Super freshman, five-star recruit, Curtis Jacobs apparently is already turning heads in camp. Again, I'm not trying to make this into like dire straits type of deal for their front seven. Yeah. There is a ton of talent. It's just got to get figured out which where they want each guy and get them moving in the right direction. So it could be a situation where you see them struggle a little bit early and start gelling a little bit as the season goes on. Yeah. Yeah which I think we'll start playing in when we get in the schedule a little bit. Now, one thing that can help out a front seven that maybe isn't getting to the quarterback quite like you, you like and maybe isn't getting a push is a really good secondary. We got that covered no problem. Boundary safety, Jaquan Brisker. I don't know, again, kind of a guy that flies under the radar a little bit. That's a dude that almost for sure would have been a nice draft pick in the NFL draft this past spring. He stayed and came back. Same thing I could say about uh, quarterback Tariq Castro-Fields. 
they've got dudes in the secondary, and I felt like they were playing a lot better at the end of the year last year, too. Yeah, I mean, they got a trio at cornerback. Kalen King's getting a ton of love. For sure. From the coaching staff. So, yep. I mean, almost, I'm wondering almost if they're pumping them up too much. I'm <laughs> right. starting to worry about that. Right. But yeah, incredible talent back there. So I think that will help out the front for. I'm still confident. I think it's going to be good defense. No, I, I hope I d- I'm not painting this as a picture that this is going to be a defense that struggles. I think Brent Pry 100% has gotten to the point where he gets the benefit of the doubt, even if we had nine new starters on the defense, you would still assume that Penn State's going to have a good defense, and I think we'll have that this year. Special teams? Okay, um, yeah. So, Pinnaker's back, kicker, right, but right. he's got to have a bounce-back season. He a little started bit. a little bit last yeah, year. Yeah, good point. And Stout is pretty stout at the punting position. Good job. Good job. Wait, can you use that one multiple times this year? Or? Yes, as okay, many times. Because okay. Stout's a great word. I think It's one of those Love words you don't, you don't hear enough. Yeah. You call a guy overweight, he doesn't like it, you call him Stout. Yeah. He's oh, like, hey, thanks. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. And then, of course, Jahan Dotson. The On the return game. game. I mean, you have to mention him. He's got to be in the running for kick returner of the year in the Big Ten. All right, moving on to the schedule. This is a hard schedule. Um, and the other thing that I don't know if you picked out is like, it's like hard game, easy game. Hard game, yeah. easy game. It kind of goes back and forth with that to until a the degree. end. Until the end of the schedule. The back end of the schedule gets a lot easier. Yes. But I will. here's the thing that really sticks out to me about the schedule. Probably their three toughest games are all on the road. Dude, it at is. At Wisconsin, at Iowa, at Ohio State. That is that is a real thing that's right there. Um, uh, Michigan's at home, but, I mean, I don't think we're extremely high on Michigan. So, yeah, I mean, starting out in Camp Randall, um, I, I mean, I do feel like there is a little bit of a psyche thing going on with this football program and team right now. Um, if you read through the coaches' comments in the Athlon magazine, they kind of allude to that too. Where Which is they it, they made it sound like it's teetering on the brink of of destruction. Which again, hmm. I don't know who the coach was. Maybe it was maybe it was a coach that coaches one of the teams that will break down at the end. Who knows? Um, but uh, uh, I don't know if I believe that. But I do think. Beating Wisconsin on the road to start one and zero in Big Ten play against a rake Big Ten opponent would be a huge boost to a team that sure. could get some good feels going again. Is that absolutely? Is that accurate? Yeah. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, if you want to kind of get into the the biggest game, scariest game, and, and where you want to start, or yeah, let's see here. I mean, I think the biggest game is easy, right? At Ohio State. Okay. That's I- you got to win that game if you want to win. The East. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. It's probably going to come down to that. I think it's Ohio State. Listen, but we could could it be Wisconsin for all the things I just talked about? I mean, it there? could be. Yeah. Cause, like, because here's here's my thing is if you could, again, get the sodium pentothal out and, you know, pump it into a Penn State fan and they could and you said to them, which uh, uh, game do you want to guarantee a win? OK, they're going to choose. Ohio State, but if it's more of a thing of like the reality, you know, like a better chance of winning a game, I don't know if maybe they wouldn't swing towards Wisconsin because to beat Ohio State, that means you have a good enough team to win the Big Ten, and Ohio State has a bad enough team to not win the Big Ten. I don't know if that's what I'm seeing here, so maybe this is more of, I mean, the over-under, you know, we'll get to. I don't know if that made any sense, but like, 
I don't know if they realistically expect to beat Ohio State and win the Big Ten, so maybe you would just rather see that Wisconsin win. I don't know if that made any sense. Yeah, I see what you're saying, but uh, you can drop the Wisconsin game and still win the East by beating that winning the Ohio State game. Okay. To me, it's just Ohio State. Okay. Um, and then for scariest game, I also kind of have Wisconsin because I'm, I just you don't want to start out 0-1. So, I don't know. There, there's a couple landmines in here. I mean, you could you could name Indiana as a scary game Thought to about lose it. that game two years in a row. I don't know. I'm going at Iowa. Yeah? Okay. Because it's always a barn burner. It is. It is always a barn burner. I think they have won three straight in Kinnick. Okay. Um, Iowa got them last year in the the weird year, but yeah, is it is it finally a year where Iowa not only plays Penn State close, but actually pulls out the victory? The one thing about that game that I can kind of understand is the scariest game. It is the week after you play Indiana and go on the road, so it does kind of have a little bit of a trappy feel to it. So that's a pretty good pick. And you got Illinois after that. So, so well, they got, they got pretty, technically they're idle the week pretty, after that. So that's that, true. that okay. should help Illinois. But uh, curb stomp. So I got two. Um, I know which one mine is. Go, go so for I'll it. start. Yeah, they want revenge over Indiana. Okay, it's See, Indiana. You know the Michigan thing where they had their revenge tour yes. a couple years ago? They got a couple of revenge tour things. So <laughs> I didn't pick Indiana because I think Indiana is going to be too good to curb stop. That's okay? probably true. You know who they do want to have revenge over that probably Penn State would be good enough to curb stop? Yeah. Maryland. Oh, yes. <laughs> like I, Okay, I might be overlooking that one. I'm going to change my answer. I thought that's where you're going the first time. Like... If Penn State's rolling then, because you even kind of mentioned it earlier in the podcast, like they figure some stuff out, that's towards the end of the year. Maybe we see Maryland just, eh, you know. Might be not. mailing it in by then. That could be my uh, pick as the most likely to be curb stomp. My personal choice that I want to see be the curb stomp of the entire schedule, that SEC team, Auburn, coming in to Happy Valley, probably yep. going to be a wide end. I think it is. I would love to see that as a curb stomp. But pretty tough schedule will be interesting to see how they get going in the beginning. Over-under is dead on, in my estimation, at 9. It is. I, I mean, I just want to say I'm going to make a call on this. I do not like it either way. I would stay the hell away from this. In fact, yeah. if I could just bet that it hits 9, that's what I would choose because this 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 seems to be 9-3. and three. Again, Three toughest games, all on the road. I do feel like they're going to win at least one of those. But if you don't, then you have no room for error. Right. You, you got to beat Auburn. You got to beat Indiana. You got to beat everybody. Again, the good news, after Ohio State on October 30, they go at Maryland, home against Michigan, home against Rutgers, at Michigan State. So you get through that first two-thirds, you can kind of cruise. Um, I, I think they will win at least one of those tough road games. So I'm eh. – Barely going over here. Yeah. Okay. But it's, I don't feel good about it at all. Yeah, and that's why I prefaced it. So, um, again, I have to make a call. I'm, 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 I'm pretty think I'm pretty dead set on what I'm gonna predict for them. But I, I hope I'm wrong. Penn State fans, I've already said that I want Auburn to be your curb stomp game. I've just got this bad feeling about that game as it stands right now in August. So I think they lose that game and there's two or three more losses in there. So I'm going to go a very slight lean to the under, but I hope I'm wrong. Gotcha. All right. That's the Penn State Nittany Lions. 
All right, that brings us to the 2021 Iowa Hawkeyes. So not exactly an insider. I guess I'm kind of my own insider, but I uh, want to give a shout out to people I text and DM with and followers of the pod, my brothers, my parents, my cousins, Gotch, Hawk Fett, Hawk Guy Matt. So you're you all know, appreciated. You know this Hawk Guy Matt pretty well. I've gotten to know him, yeah, a little, little, little DM uh, relationship. Okay, because yeah. I like him on the Twitters. Everybody seems to like Hawk Guy Matt. And Hawk Fed is pretty good, too. Great dude. Yeah. And we all love Gotch, of course. And I but- wanted to give a shout-out to Gotch because the only time I mentioned him was with the washcloth thing, but, you know, he's a yeah. Hawkeye fan first. Yeah, so that's, sure. that's a big check mark against him. <laughs> but, uh, um, the you know, the other one that I like who took a hiatus Yeah, and he came back and I, I was DMing him was uh, – Jesus, Jesus Hawks, Hawks and, and Hams. Hams. Yeah. He came back after like a year or something. He, good. Good to have yeah. him back. He always is good to crack me up on something. On I year, love that, so. dude. Fantastic. All right. Last five years. Not too shabby. 41 and 19. The 2015 year is off now um, of the last five-year ledger. So I would think that the high would be the 10 and 3 in 2019. Last year, there's not really a low. I mean, they're just – it's all – eight, nine, and 10 wins. You know, I mean, last year obviously is a little bit different at, at six and two coach Ferentz going into his 23rd year in Iowa city, uh, longest tenured. He, he might, he's not only the longest tenured coach in college football. He might be the longest tenured coach in coaching. I mean, well, and he might be the longest tenured. Krasuski left Duke. I mean, he's gotta be moving up the, but also he might be the longest tenured coach for many, many years. I just don't see you know the, how many people stick around that long. Anymore. I mean, I know I read a lot of of messages on Twitter, sometimes, you know, DM messages from fan bases. And they're like, listen, I mean, Coach Ferentz has got to be about done. And at, at, there was a time that I thought that was the case. But I think he got a little taste of what his life would be when football is not yeah. there during the shutdowns. I think Coach Ferentz just likes coaching football. How old is he? I believe he's 63. Oh, he's still spry. I think he looks, I know I'm biased, but I just saw him in person. I'm going to tell you right now, that is a, that is a good looking 63 year old. Well, man. and he does seem like he still enjoys it. I, I will say I don't that think there's any question about that. Gosh, I thought he was older than that. He's only 63. Well, crap. I mean, he's probably going to make it to 30 years at Iowa. I, I think five more years is definitely in play. Yeah, but we'll see. We'll see. It'll be up to him. That's for sure. <clears throat> Uh, then, um, we'll, we'll talk about the offense, right? We'll start there. Okay. A couple stats here. I'm just kind of interested in this is almost like anti, this is completely opposite of the team. We just broke down total offense, 87th, not great, right? 369 yards per game. Scoring offense is 40th, 32 points per game, which was second in the big 10 in scoring. Does that surprise you, sir? They were second in the Big Ten in scoring. <laughs> so I guess I wish I, I wish we were doing the video version because the face that Big Kurt just gave me was yeah. I actually threw Wait, that so stat. Fortieth in the country was second in the Big Ten. Yeah, in, that was the biggest gap between after, after Ohio State down to Iowa at second. Unless my stats are wrong, but I am almost yeah. It's right here in Athlon. Yeah, they're second. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, them being second in the Big Ten in scoring with the defense that they play. That's it's that, that wins you a lot of football games. So, you know, it depends on how deep you want to go down into the, you know, black and gold tunnel. But essentially, 
that's what situational football is. That is what both coaches, offensive and defensive coordinator, uh, preach. Obviously, it's offensive almost as if they like they set up their offense and defense to complement one another and the and the special teams. It's almost. I mean, it's got to be a coincidence, right? But it's almost like it's planned. I mean, I know so you're being good. facetious, but like that is what they do. And yeah. I think there's enough proof in the pudding to say they've gotten pretty good at it over the last, I don't know, 23 They've years. They've only so. had 23 years to practice. But I feel like it's been a little bit more dialed in the last three or four years. It does seem like years. it. Yeah. Um, with that being said, the way that it could dial in and be even better is at the quarterback position, which well, I mean, kind of mirrors Penn State. Does it not? A little bit. I mean, once I started breaking down the teams, I realized how there, there really is a bit of a Spider-Man meme going on here between Penn State and Iowa. Obviously, you don't have the wide receiver room that Penn State has, but, Fair but seriously, like, you look at what what does the season hinge on, and it's just Sam Laporta. Or uh, not Sam Laporta. Uh, what's his name? Hey, you know what? If you're gonna if you're gonna do I mean, it it's a does. tight end. It's a tight it end. It's, like a, it's definitely in play. Yeah, so Spencer, the Enigma, the Petrus. Petrus yes. Um I believe I have gotten to the point now where I, I don't know, there's probably like a psychological term for this, but when you hear something negative so much, you get to the point where you start pulling out the positives, and I'm sure it's you know the opposite is true. I have heard so many other podcasts, so many other things I've read, whatever, talk about how average or shitty Spencer Petrus is. I'm starting to dig in and think, I think he's going to be at least a little bit better than what people are making him out to be. Well, I didn't say that he's going to be here's second my- team all Big Ten. That's not what I said. I just... I don't think he's as bad as what people are making him out to be. Jeez. Probably not. But here's my thing. I think there's a large swing of how good he can be. Like he could be maybe the sixth best quarterback in the league, or he could be the 12th best quarterback in the league this year. I would say, I would say third to 13th. I think it's that that maybe that. Okay. Maybe you, you might be right there. And I believe that that could be true. Um, so he's got a good arm. And the other thing I'd like to point out, and again, this is, it's, I don't know if it's an excuse or a reason, but we talked about this with Tanner Morgan too. Tanner Morgan was an experienced quarterback, okay, but then had a different offensive coordinator, didn't get as much practice time in the spring, and I think they suffered because of sure. it. Sure. I think you could say the same thing about Spencer Peacher. Same offensive coordinator, but he had never started a game before. Like Nate Stanley never left the game, the guy played for seven years straight. He didn't get any meaningful reps behind him. I do think the lack of spring and kind of getting thrown into it at the beginning of the year, I believe he got better at the end of the year. He had five touchdowns to zero picks the last two games with, you know, a good win over Wisconsin. 28 to seven wins over Wisconsin don't happen every day. Maybe I am just talking myself into it. Because I would like to see a gamer at quarterback. It would be amazing to just see a gamer, a guy that just comes up with plays. So there could be a lot of people like you out there that are going to be right at the end of the year. What do you mean by that? That that think Petrus is a pretty good quarterback. Right. And he's going to prove it. Right. But there could be a lot of people out there that think he stinks that could be right at the end of the year. I I have to entertain the idea that both of those things – so are how very much the, does that swing the season then? Let's it let, completely swings let's every say part he of this. Stinks. He just stinks. I, I, I could miss a bowl. 
Okay. Five and seven, four and eight. I mean, I have to say that's he's definitely the, possible. He's the third best this quarterback schedule in the Big Ten. I they think they're in the Indy. West. I think they're in Indy. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the swing. And then and very quickly, the backup quarterback is Alex Padilla, smaller quarterback, but mobile. I'm not saying the I like only, Padilla. What's that? I like Padilla. I, I think he's a I I from what I've seen and heard practice, you know, it's mostly practice stuff, but he moves around pretty well. He seems to have moxie, you know, guys that are younger that or guys that are smaller but more mobile. I know there is a there is a big conversation that happens with Iowa fans on boy, what would it be like if everything was the exact same but we had mobile quarterbacks? Well, you got the little Drew Tate action happening there. And what happened? Uh, they won the a... Big Ten and and went to major bowls. Did they win the Big Ten that yeah, year? Yeah. Uh, who? What type of quarterback was the uh, uh, quarterback of the 2002 Iowa team? Brad Banks, pretty damn good one. Pretty, pretty mobile. mobile, yeah. How about the 2015 team? Oh, uh, CJ Beathard, right? I don't know, man. It's weird. Okay, so moving on. Uh, I kind of like our running back. Uh, Tyler Goodson is good. There's nothing not to like about him. By the way, Dad is a hell of a nice guy. When we met him at the Minnesota game last year, ni- nicest dude. Yes. Nice so dude. I'm pulling for. Tyler Goodson this year. And Tyler Goodson has definitely he already was a leader on the team. Uh, all all reports are that he's took an even bigger step up in the leadership role. But I gotta be honest with you, the running back room behind Tyler Goodson gets very little conversation in just how unreliable and unknown they are. Okay. I mean, if Tyler Goodson goes down, knock on wood, please, God don't let but there is a gigantic question mark on who is going to run the ball. And then the other side of it is they have started using Tyler Goodson so much in the passing game that if that element is taken out of the offense, if Tyler Goodson goes down, Hawkeye fans shudder to think what that could look like. Okay, so we got a couple question marks there. That That is definitely a question mark to me. Now, I really like Ivory Kelly Martin. It's just that, you know... You got to play. You got to stay healthy and 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 be on the field. He has not been able to do that. Somehow is still on the ten year program at Iowa, I believe. After that, there are two freshmen, Gavin and Lashawn Williams. No, they are not related. Um, Iowa fans seem to be very confident in these guys. I just am the type of guy that says I don't know. The only thing I have to go on is uh, their high school tapes and a couple flashes I've seen in you know practice videos. Long story short, there's a lot of unknowns after our starting running back. Yeah, speaking of unknowns, let's move on to the offensive line. Yeah. Because we've only got a couple starters returning here. But no, it's we got three. Okay, we who got is three. We, Linderbaum? So, so, right, so obviously Linderbaum is a great place to start. I mean, All-American, All-Big Ten center. Kyler Schott is a very good guard, uh, very well thought of by the and, – and has got tons of, of reps, not – not an all Big Ten type of guy, but like that guy starts on 95% of the offensive lines in the country. Then Cody Ince, who was, I think, seventh in the country on pro football focus for interior linemen. I mean, that's not seventh in the Big Ten or the Big Ten West. In the country, we had one in seven. He is either the other guard or could move out to right tackle. He is essentially can uh, play any position. On the offensive line, I mean, obviously he's not going to play center. So we've got three starters on the offensive line. How exactly they're going to fit together, I don't know. But we've got another guard in Justin Britt, who is very well thought of. So he could stay at guard to take uh, uh, Ince out to tackle. And then after that, it looks like it's going to be Jack Plum, the left tackle. So there isn't a guy 
on the offensive line that potentially if that is the lineup that hasn't started a football game. So that, okay. So I, I hear a lot of people questioning the offensive line. I, I don't know. I, I, based I, I know on, based on I, their history and what you just told me right there, I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident. I'm, I'm pretty offense. confident with you. I mean, by the way, I didn't ever say this um, when he came on the podcast, but Ryan Burns, he didn't have to come on the podcast. You know, most people oh, would no. just shy away from that and just, uh, dude, he came on and locked horns. So even though I didn't agree with him on everything, I give that dude credit for doing it because most people just would avoid the conflict. So. Absolutely. And it, it ended up being a great discussion yeah, between two people talking football. Absolutely. And I, there was a lot of feedback on Twitter and DMs that people loved it. So, I again, I, it was awesome that Ryan came on. With that being said, I don't know what the hell he's talking about with the offensive line. Like, It I'm, could just I, be wishful thinking from a from it, a non-Iowa fan. It could be. Like, Jack Plum needs to improve. I think he will. You know, I mean, he got two starts last year and a lot of reps. Um I, I was not terribly impressed with our left tackle the last year or two. Okay. Mm. I think he regressed. You can certainly put that on the coaches to a certain degree, but I just know this. If there is an issue with the Iowa offense, the last thing that I'm going to think of is that the offensive line play has just fallen apart. I just, I don't see it here. I, you know, it's just so hard for me even to wrap my, brain around that concept it's weird Iowa because yeah. I, I don't remember the last time they had a poor offensive line especially with so much of the success of the iowa rushing tech being on the zone running scheme which a lot of it is guard center guard is getting up into that second level getting on a linebacker so yeah. you're back that's there with our guard center guard even if it is justin Britt. and then the other side of it is the pass catchers so you know when we compared it to penn state just now you said you know there's definitely a step back with the pass catchers. There's no doubt about that for the wide receiver spot. Tight end spot, I am I am very, very confident in Sam Laporta. And it doesn't end there. There is a couple four-star super recruits that are now starting to see the field. Um, uh, look for Luke Lachey being one of them. So I really like the tight end room. Go figure, it's Iowa. And Sam Laporta doubles as a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, so, so. He's, he's got a lot of skill. Now, the, with that being said... I believe the wide receivers are a little bit better than they're getting credit for. So definitely you lose Amir Smith, Marset, and Brandon Smith. That's a huge drop-off. I'm not trying to debate that, but this is the stats, the career stats of Tyrone Tracy Jr. and Nico Reganey. 116 catches, 1,400 yards, and seven touchdowns. As far as falling back on receivers that have left, you could f find a worse spot than two receivers being that season that are going to be in your starting lineup. Now. Yeah. There's a lot of teams don't re return that type of production. So I don't know if I see a necessarily difference maker out of the receiving crew, which concerns me. Okay. Not a difference. But I maker. do like Tyrone Tracy jr. Very much. Well, I like Tracy and I like Reganey. Sounds like jo Charlie Jones is, is there the, um, kind of high Working on him. Yes. And they got a couple young guys that are pretty talented too. So I don't know this is, I, this kind of adds a little bit like I, I like the first couple, but then after that I have question marks. I understand that. Um, and I am not one to fall in love with the new shiny toy, but I, color me excited to see what Keegan Johnson can sure. do because even the coaches who are notoriously tight lipped, have not been able to start stop talking okay. about Keegan Johnson. I'll so. tell you who I'm excited about. Okay. I don't know anything about this guy other than his name. Yeah. Monte Potterbaum. Monte Potterbaum. 
Yeah. I mean, that's that's, a that's name. all name team, that, especially for a fullback. fullback. He has got the all name team for fullback wrapped up, I would say, at this point. He's got to be a good fullback. Monty, He's at Iowa him. with yeah. that name. Yeah. I'm going to be watching that. Some things are meant to be. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Moving on to the defense. These are pretty good numbers. Uh, they were eighth in the country at 314 yards per game and sixth in the country in scoring at 16 points per game. This was. Like, if you go deep into the stats for the yards per play and everything like that, you literally could have made an argument that this was the top two or three defense in the entire country last year, not just Big Ten. They were lethal last year. I think that's a fair description, lethal. Um, they've got they've got a lot of pieces coming back here, but I don't – boy, it's going to be hard to equal that. I don't I, – I, if they can even – approach equaling that so that's you literally got right into my question right here so they were eighth in the country last year in total defense do you think they can stay near the top 10 do you think it's going to be closer to the top 20 25 what would be your guess just kind of what you're seeing on we did the uh the over under here in the Ryan Burns episode. I think I sent it at 24.5. 24.5. That's I I wrote that note down before you said that too. Okay. So would you take the over under at 24.5? I go under. Okay. I think I would go under, but I tell you what, you set a good line, my friend. I think so. I I think that is, I could see them literally like 20th to 28th, somewhere around there. So I, I honestly, that was, that was impressive. So starting on the D line, Everybody knows that we lost a ton of people on the D-line. So who do we got back? We got Zach Van Valkenburg back. So I'm going to call this Zach in the pack. Okay. All right. It's it's the one stalwart with a bunch of other guys. Some of them got some playing time, but not a ton. We have got to see five or hopefully six or seven guys develop so we can get a D-line rotation. That's when Iowa defenses are at their best. Okay. I got one too. Yep. Since I pretend like he's my cousin, okay, Van Valkenburg, right? Cousin the Buzz, because they're the swarm. Okay. Oh, that's good. That's okay. Nice work. Cousin the Buzz. Yeah. Can I go with Zach in the pack? Sure. Okay. If the defensive line is doing some work this year, we'll, we'll, you better write that down. We'll forget. Um. So who's the people that are looking to step in? Um. Y. A. Black has been getting the most pub. I-, I am convinced that the talent is there with Y. A. Black, but you, you got to be on the field, okay? He has not been able to stay healthy even through practice, so that is something that concerns me a great deal. I'm less concerned on how he's going to look if he can play. I think he's going to be good, but he's got to be on the and field. And he's a freshman, but this is a weird year. How Correct. many? How What year is he in? You I know, think is this, is, second this will third? be his second full year. Yeah, Second full year. Yep. Okay, so, so he's a youngster. Correct. He's a youngster. Noah Shannon, uh, he played quite a bit last year. You can't call him a returning starter, by any means, but this is not a guy where the coaches are wondering what he's going to look like when the bullets fly. He has already played quite a bit. Can he take a step up? That would be huge. And then we got we got more, more brothers here. Logan Lee and Logan Jones. These are very highly thought of recruits. Um, Logan Jones has already, to my knowledge, set records, not on the offensive line, because I think Tristan Wirfs pretty much obliterated all those. But as far as D-line, D-ends, he is absolutely a beast in the weight room. Sorry, you got a weight room re- reference there. But I there know, is – go so ahead. You skipped over John Wagoner. Yep. Two. I don't know. I don't feel like he's getting enough love. I've, um, I've liked him when I've seen yeah, him. Yeah, you know what? I have, I did skip over John Wagoner. Uh, John Wagoner is – so 
I believe that people thought John Wagoner would just jump off of the screen one of the first times okay. he got out there. We haven't seen that from him. John Wagoner seems like to me, you know what he seems like to me? Uh, Iowa defensive line defense. The the other guy that's out sure. there that takes up blocks and does his job. But I think that's what John Wagoner has turned into. The other guy is important. He's, he's very important, especially the way Iowa uh, runs their D-line. Now, if he can turn into somebody that gets a pass rush, I would be very happy with that. Speaking of pass rush, Joe Evans, also a guy that doesn't get a ton of love. Uh, he's on the 10-year plan. That's another one. I yeah. think he's pretty solid. He's pretty solid. I mean, he he's not going to be a guy that's going to blow up your rushing attack. But he's the other long. other guy. He is the other other he's guy. He's the guy behind the guy. I feel like they got three other guys with um, with John Wagner. That's good you pointed that out. Uh, Joe Evans and Noah Shannon. All of those guys have seen the field. It's not The coverage's not completely bare. I have just a hard time believing that an Iowa defense, because it's not just the D-line, obviously it's a big part of the deal, but I have a hard time believing an Iowa defense is going to be quote-unquote atrocious versus the run, as somebody right. once said. I think they're going to be just fine versus the run. They were 10th in the country last year, but I tell you what, the pass rush concerns me. This is one of the things that I mostly am going to be interested to see at the beginning of the year. I'm nervous that we're going to force a lot of teams into third and seven plus, and we're just not going to get home. I hope I'm wrong, but that's one of my, that might be my biggest concern of this entire. Okay. Team. Well, we know Van Valkenburg can rush the quarterback. So maybe it's just a little scheme thing. Dial up some blitzes here and there at the right time. So if we're going to do that, let's go to the linebackers. Um, Iowa fans are plat are flat out smitten with Jack Campbell. Um, he is a guy that if you really look at it last year when he had mono, mono nucleosis, my brother had that way back when. Did you ever have mono? Never had mono. Yeah, never had mono either. Um, uh, so he had mono. Is it viral or bacterial? <laughs> I think it's bacterial, isn't it? I think there's both, isn't there? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's like the the white or the red. Uh, 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 New England clam chowder. Yeah, the clam chowder. Is that the white or the red? Remember that part. (laughs) Um, Jack Campbell got mono at the beginning of the year, did not play, worked himself into the lineup and healthy as the year went on. And I'm telling you. Oh, I thought he was fantastic. By the end of the year. I'm not like obviously we had the the Big Ten defensive lineman of the year last year, so he wins the award. But he was in the running for most valuable player on that defense last year, and he's back. Um, I feel like Seth Benson is somebody that people don't know the name of, but I can tell you that opposing teams and offenses are impressed with his steadiness. So it's a very very good linebacking core, and we didn't. Well, my even... question is the depth. Yeah, I, I feel great about the depth. Okay. I mean, we didn't even uh, list off Justin Jacobs, who is the highest recruit, I believe, on the entire team. I mean, this is a guy that Ohio State went after big time. I also like Jay Higgins. I'm interested to see where he's at. So, I mean, most of the time now, we're running a 4-2-5. I see definitely three, if not four, linebackers for those two spots most of the time. So I feel like... There's plenty of depth there. Okay. Uh, but even you as a outsider, you notice Jack Campbell by the end of the year. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he is not only big, but he's fast. I am. He needs to stay healthy. I'll say that much. Then you, you go, know what he looked like at the end of the year? Yeah. He looked like an Iowa linebacker is what I, he looked like. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a pretty good crew. They've been rolling out there the last couple of years. And then the other kind of cash or uh, linebacker safety position is what we call the cash position. I know, I don't know. If I'm gushing here, I I apologize, but dude, 
I like Dane. Dane Belton's great too. I mean, this is, he looked good since his true freshman year, two years ago. He looked even better last year. I think he's going to look even better this year. I mean, that guy could play uh, safety. He could play the more, you know, four, three outside linebacker cash deal. He could play straight up nickel. He is just an absolute Swiss army knife of a defensive back. Yeah. I mean, names you recognize across the board at the linebacker position, Belton, Benson, Campbell. For real. Yeah. I mean, to the point where, um, yeah, at the linebacker spot, but, and then moving on to the DBs. I mean, I think you could kind of say the same thing about the DBs, Hankins, Riley Moss. Uh, well, so this is probably the number one defensive backfield in the big 10. I think it's fair it, to say that, right? I, I mean, Penn could, State's in there. Penn I mean, there could, in there. Yes, another, that's a good another point. Spider-Man meme going on here, by the way. Penn State's D-line. And then I know. Talent, but needs to work in. But I know Ohio State has struggled a little bit there, but you got to think they they could be, they by the end of the year, they could have the best defensive back. But, but it's in the conversation. I I mean, I'll throw this out there. 65 starts between all of the defensive backs that we can name. I, there is nobody in the Big Ten that's got more than that. That's impressive. Northwestern's got some impressive uh, D-backs too, but... Kayvon Merriweather, Jack Corner, also on the 10-year plan, I believe. I, I, you would probably agree with that. Also hell of a dad. He's a good guy. <laughs> yeah. We chatted with him. Oh, that's right. We did with <laughs> yeah. Jack Corner's dad. I yeah. forgot about that. No, it was Riley Moss's dad, actually. Oh, you're right. It was Riley Moss's his, dad. His dad, was, okay. his, his dad played in the Shrine Bowl with Doug the Carthaginian. Remember okay. that? All that's right. Why, that's that's right. why we were sitting there talking. He was a great guy. And then, by the way, Terry Roberts is a special teams guru. He has been working in to the secondary. And then watch out for Xavier Williams. This was like one of the biggest offseason gets at defensive back. Uh, transferred in from UNI. He was a, a, a FCS All-American. Dude, there's depth for days in the secondary. I don't know what else to say. If, if, if people think I'm being too homer, call me out. But I'm telling you, man, this is a good-looking secondary. Well, and I, I think overall I'm just getting a little more confident in my under 24.5 the more we talk about this i i'll say this much they are going to do everything they can to limit big plays and that is something that iowa is excellent at and with this secondary i just don't see it changing and i hear they have a decent defensive coordinator too yeah i mean phil parker has also been there 23 years uh he's only been the defensive coordinator i think for 11 or 12 years but I mean, you know, Ken, we talked about with Brent Pride. You definitely give Phil Parker the benefit of the doubt as far as what you think the Iowa defense is going to look like. So uh, moving on to special teams. Uh, speaking of a good coach, Coach Woods is an amazing special teams coach. Lost our all-everything kicker, but the rumor is that it has always been a close battle between Keith Duncan and Caleb Shudak. I'm not saying he's going to be Keith Duncan. I'm saying... It's not going to be this dramatic drop-off at place kicker. We're going to have a good kicker again. And by the way, with Tory Taylor and with punt returner Charlie Jones, even if he's not great, that's still a pretty good trio. Yeah. I mean, my, I love Charlie Jones' returner, by the way. I do. I love Charlie. You know, the funny thing is, I don't think I appreciated him much as much as I should have last year, and then I've rewatched some games. I'm like, the dude is always catching the ball and getting upfield. He is just a he's automatic for like a seven to nine yard return. I'm going to repeat a stat that I've said several times in this podcast. And I can't remember his exact number, but it was, I, I, cause I saw it very little bit, 21 or 22 punt returns he had last year in the handful of games that he played. Okay. Yeah. Which is an amazing number. Defense obviously plays into that big time. Okay. The Illinois team had four returns on the year. Yeah. Come on. No, you're, you're kidding me. That they averaged 
eight yards per return when they returned it. How do you off the top? Iowa played eight games last year. How many games did Illinois play? Uh, they were two and six. They played eight games. <laughs> so it's the same number. That's incredible. Long story short. And by the way, w- wait. Yeah, I think, well, maybe just one of those was actually the return was from a punter. A punter returned the punt. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, anyways, this is always going to be a Tory Taylor Stan account or a Tory Taylor Stan, Stan podcast. Cast. Yeah. Stan cast. This is a punter Stan cast. The, mo- one of my favorite moments of all of last year was when me and you were at the Iowa Minnesota game and Tory Taylor in the freezing oh, gosh. cold. That he was... dropped a dead punt that just died and went right out in front of the goal line. How does an Aussie do that too? <laughs> and I apparently they kick the point of the football. Yeah. Oh yeah. So that's how they do it. Uh, but I just remember looking at you, and I was just like, you're like, all right, okay, that's amazing. Anyways, that was that was a fun part of the night. All right, let's get on to the schedule. This would already be a tough schedule, getting Penn State and Indiana over from the east. Then you mix in a road trip to Lames to take on Iowa State. This is one of the tougher schedules in the Big Ten, I believe, correct? Yeah, I mean, you look down the schedule, there's five games that they should definitely win. Yes, I'm putting Purdue in there. I know they've struggled with Purdue. Seven really tough games. Yeah. Um, really tough games. They're they're going to be dogfights, every one of them. And four of those are on the road. That's what I don't like about the schedule. Right. Yeah. Um, now, here's the thing is, but they get Indiana and Penn State at home, but it's at Wisconsin, at Northwestern. I mean, those are games I like that, that they get in Minnesota at home, but then they got to go on the road to play Nebraska. So they've got a nice mix of home and road games, but I hear you there. Um, listen, before we, I, I don't have Iowa State down for any of my my things. Okay, obviously I want to beat Iowa State with a passion. Okay, it's sure. Iowa State. I hate them. With that being said, I mean, eventually Iowa State has got to beat Iowa, right? It's been they haven't beaten us since 2014, 13, I believe. Okay, it's yeah. been a long time. I think I think Iowa, if they win this game, this I'm almost positive I'm correct on the stat. Out of the last 18 games, what do you how many if they win this game, how many do you think they've won out of the last 18? Uh I'll say 14. Wow. 13. Okay. Okay. Is, does that seem a little bit higher than you think? After I mean, it's just everybody always talks about that's a dogfight game. And, it, and there's been a lot of close games, but we're getting to the point where you're going 13 and five versus your rival. That's kind of owning them a little bit, isn't it? Oh, that's owning them. Okay. But even at even at 12 and 12 and five where they're at right now, that's pretty high number. And, you know, the the strange part is there was there was a, a num there was a little segment in there where they Iowa State kept winning when they shouldn't really have been winning. It seemed yeah, like to there me. was there was there As, was a time yeah. there was a lull there in the middle of the Kirk Ferentz tenure. Right, they, they snuck out a couple wins. I almost killed myself with Jan in 2007 during one of them off the top of my head. But long story short, this is a big game. But in the end, do you believe there's a little bit of Notre Dame Wisconsin to this? That even if Iowa, yeah, I, I mean, it doesn't mean that much. It doesn't mean that much now i've got a chance to to change my mind because (laughs) trust me i'll get fired up for that game you're gonna change your mind let's see uh saturday september 11th (laughs) yes somewhere around right around the eighth or ninth i'm sure i'll I'll be singing a different but you see what i'm getting at right like you sure because it it hurts more 
when you're a good Iowa team and you lose to a mediocre Iowa State team because you're like, Jesus, that's if we lose that game 28 to 24 to a team that's ranked in the top 10. I don't know. I, I, I'm, and I especially know. if you had just beaten Indiana the week before. Correct. Correct. So let's get into the schedule right there. Starting off with Indiana. Weird. I mean, it's just so weird that Iowa is going to be three games into their schedule before they get a directional Michigan type of team starting out with the Hoosiers. It's crazy, man. I just keep so, picturing walking into Kinnick and, and you're already in a conference game. I've never had that feeling in my entire life. What's the pucker factor amongst Iowa fans for that game? I don't think it's real no? high. I okay. mean, I think they're just more like looking forward to the challenge and seeing Indiana. Okay. Like it's an evenly matched two teams. I was a four point favorite in that game. I mean, I believe I have the, the thought process where I can say, I expect Iowa to win the game, but I'm just not like I'd be surprised if Indiana sure. won the game either. I mean, I just, to me right now, I just can't wait to watch that football contest. Oh, it's going to be amazing. In yeah. Week one. I mean, we got some real gems in week one. So for me, biggest game. Okay. I, you just, to the, the division still goes through Madison. It sure seems like it. And that has been a huge rivalry. Of course, they got over the hump last year in the weird year. Beat them in a non-weird year. Correct. That's, that's my challenge to them. Yep. I mean, 2015 was a non-weird year. They beat them that year. Beat them it's last been a tick. year. But if they did, if they would beat them here, unless my math's off, I believe they'd be three They'd be uh, three and three versus Wisconsin just like that. Or maybe sure. it's three and four. So we're getting pretty close to even it up on Wisconsin. And there was one game in there. I'm going to sound like a total fan here, but we should have won that game. Oh, yeah. Fumbled the ball <laughs> on special teams. We gave it away. But I'm just saying the rivalry has been really close between the two of them save one game. But, yeah, I agree with you. At Wisconsin, if things – if chalk plays out like, like you know, people think it would, that should be the biggest game of the year. What do you got for scariest? I mean, maybe this shouldn't really ever fall under scariest. I know. I know what you're going to say. But it's at Northwestern. They, they play them the next week. Yeah. I mean, at North at Wisconsin, at Northwestern, would it be surprising at all that Iowa beats Wisconsin coming off an idle week, goes into Evanston, and lays a turd? That's it's kind of what I expect to happen almost. Yes. I mean, that like that's something you could gamble on. Could you gamble on that right now? And, and by the way, Northwestern fans, I'm saying that because – like it's always a scary game. It is. So I shouldn't just, really be able to pick it, but I have to pick like, it. Like it's a it's it sounds like we're disrespecting them no, because not the scariest game, you know, like it's a game you shouldn't like, dude, Northwestern's gonna be really good. It, it's always a quality win if you beat Northwestern, but it could be scary because you could be on the path to going to Indy after you beat Wisconsin. Northwestern Absolutely. derails it. That's scary to yes. me. So can I throw one more out there? Sure. I'm gonna probably surprise you here. Friday, October 1st, traveling out to the East Coast to play Maryland. Yeah, that is a weird one. It's it stuck weird, out. I know. I just don't like it. I don't like it at all. I mean, I don't. I, I hope I was rolling by then, so it doesn't seem like it. But and I kind of feel something like something weird's going to happen in that game. That's what I know. Okay, I kind of feel like that's fairly early. That's the fifth game. I feel like they may locks might still be coaching a little bit at that time. <laughs> okay, you said it, not me. Yeah, it, dude, it's possible. By the way, you know what I got for my curb stop game? What do you got? At Maryland. Maryland. That makes sense. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I feel like it could be. No, one it of the does. Two. So I, I I have a toss up here. So I'll go with my other one. I'm okay. just going to go Illinois. Yeah. Because they just always kick Illinois ass. Yeah. Not, not, no, not recently. 
Well, I mean, not they came last, from behind last year. It was year. still kind of an ass kicking. They came from behind last year and two years ago. That was a battle. That was man. a ba- you're right. That was a battle. Two You're putting years ago. too much weight on three years ago. I mean, that's getting to be maybe a little bit in the in the rearview mirror now. But there it is. That is the 2021 yeah. Iowa Hawkeyes. So we gotta do over under, baby. Oh shoot, over under. All right, we got it at eight point five. Oh, we, we know do. where Ryan okay. Burns. We know where Ryan Burns. Yeah. feels on that. He is a definite under. So. I've got a number of questions on offense here, which we talked about. I I feel like it's just too many questions to feel confident about an over talked about the, the seven tough games four on the road. So I'm airing towards the under 8.5. I wouldn't besmirch anybody for taking the under. Here's the funny thing. You know why I think they would go under the schedule. You know why I think they could go over the football team. Like, is that, do you think I'm being a bias when I say that? No. Okay. So I'm going to choose team. I'm going to go over, but I tell you what, eight, I would feel way better sure. about it. Nine, I would go, de- I would go definite under because to me, that feels like a pusher and under, but at 8.5, yeah, I'll be a homer. I'll go over. And that finally is the 2021 Iowa Hawkeyes. All right. That brings us to the last team on this podcast, the Maryland Terrapins. The insider is, yeah, we don't have. An insider. Um, We're open to any insiders. If you'd like to contact us, our DMs are open. <laughs> We're open to any Maryland people reacting with us on Twitter or any kind of sign that there are Maryland fans <laughs> out there. Like, you, like you, maybe, I don't know, maybe like uh, somebody, if Locks is at a podium, should ask him a question. Dude, just another, another example of the enigma that is Maryland Terrapin. So what I keep thinking about when, you know, I start thinking about these teams, what I want to talk about when we break down, remember in major league when he was like, well, and that's going to do it for the tribe. They lose five to one. They got one run on one hit, one goddamn hit. We got one goddamn hit. The other guy's like, can't say that. that. Ah, Don't worry about it. Nobody's listening. Nobody's listening anyway. (laughs) That's how I feel recording on the Maryland Terrapins for this podcast. All right, let's get through it. Last five years, 20 and 34. Uh, they've not really had, honestly, an awful, awful year. They just have never really had any kind of a good year. You could make an argument that one of their most exciting years last year was last year yeah. at two and three. And, I mean, week off play, week off play. I mean, like, look look at these losses, though. They lost 43 to three to Northwestern. Which, like, by the way. Because like, here's, here's what I'm trying to get at is, I am shocked listening to these national podcasts. Like they are so excited about the Maryland Terrapins. Well, there's some reason to be excited. Okay. We're going to get into that a little bit more, but the one win is versus Minnesota 45 to 44. I mean, it was a miracle that they pulled that game out. And that the only reason they pulled that out was the special teams of Minnesota. Right. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Minnesota was the better team. Yeah. And and Minnesota had practiced four times going into that game. Right. Just saying they lose 27 to 11 at Indiana. Indiana was without a quarterback at that point. I think that's, right. that's that was, when Penix got hurt, right? That was, that was oh, I'm oh, pretty sure. You're right. That I'm that's when positive. Penix got hurt. I'm almost positive. And then they lose to Rutgers 27 to 24. Their their shining beacon of a win that everybody's basing this off of was Penn State. was a broken Penn State team that mm. didn't give two bleeps at that point. I don't know, man. I'm just saying, like, I. I I could point you to a couple podcasts where they break down the Big Ten. They talk about Maryland. These guys are just gushing about Maryland. I don't know. I'm going to have to see it 
What what is one of the things that doesn't make me real confident about Maryland? It would be their head coach, Mike Loxley. Yeah. So I don't have a lot of confidence. I'm <laughs> he does not he's not one that instills confidence. No. So I have decided to I've got a I've got a comparison here. Okay. Our two and a half year old, three almost three year old is potty training. Okay. Um there's so a lot can, of let me just stop here. Yeah. You can pair in locks to potty a potty training child yes okay. to specifically my potty training child. continue okay um they're both rotund okay they've got a round <laughs> shape to their head and body yeah both of them one side is good and one side is bad okay the little man he pees in the toilet or in the yard every time it's incredible that's kind of like how locks with the offense he does a pretty good job with the offense yeah right? I, I i mean there's times i think he does a really good job calling plays right Right. I'm really impressed at times. Then on the other side, my little man, the poop is not going, <laughs> it's not doing his job. It's not in a group. Yeah. We keep, yeah. we keep, he, yeah, this poop is not in a group. Actually, he groups it together really well, usually in his underwear. And okay. then we have to clean it out. The other day he pooped in his diaper and just threw the diaper in the, in the uh, toilet. Oh, why not? Never seen that before. It's right there. Yeah. That's, that's what he went. But that's kind of locks with, you know, the defense, the special teams, kind of the overall and just direction. overall coaching staff, right, et cetera, right. So in both cases, we've got uh, some excitement, but a lot of messiness, and at some point, a rotund guy might shit himself. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right, continue. Yeah, there Let's we go. Continue. No, that's it. I think that's that's it. So, well, yeah, yeah, okay. Returning starters on offense, they got like nine. The 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 offense that everybody was so electric about, fifty fourth in total offense at 409 yards per game. I'm just, that's good. That's fine. I'm just saying for somebody that has that much, you know, respect for being an offensive mind, I thought would be better than that. Ooh, what's the other side scoring offense 97th. Wow. What that is, is a, a lack of capitalizing in the red zone. There's obviously some sort of play calling thing there. Turnovers, whatever you want to call that's pretty much sloppy play right there. Okay. But there is reason for there excitement. is on the offense. There is. I mean, first of all, I'm just going to say wide receiver group. Fantastic. Very good. Very good. Incredibly talented. And I would get the ball to Rakim Jarrett. Yep. As much as you freaking possibly can. But guess what? Joshua Jones, Very Dante good. Demas. Dude, this is this is in the running for I mean, it's definitely in the top half wide receiver room in the Big Ten. It, you could probably make an argument that it's in the top four or five. I think so. I mean, Ohio State obviously is number one, and we talked about Penn State. I, I'm very confident with them. I think it might be number three. Indiana's going to be up there. Yeah, good point, too, Indiana. But, dude, it's, it's a very good wide receiver. Incredible. Yeah. So, you know, solid quarterback and Leah Tagovailoa, but are, can they protect them? Do they have the offensive line to run the ball and take the pressure off the passing game? That's a huge question mark here. Yeah. Uh, left great... side left side's good. We're starting uh starting uh returning starting tackle Jalen Duncan and Jahari Branch at guard, but the center to the right side is not looking great and even the quote unquote good side of the offensive line not fantastic in no. pass pro. I mean that definitely adds and then I mean they're not really fantastic in running the ball either. I mean this was a pretty bad rushing attack not a last great, year. Not Look a great running back quick. room. 81st in the country running the ball 145 yards per game. So it's going to take a little wizardry by by locks here to and it, put you, this together and have a, a high-powered offense. That's one thing. And, I mean, I'm not sure if I'm extremely confident in the 
Tagaviola team, uh, family and staying healthy. And if if Talia goes out, yikes, we have got a dearth. Correct. Um, so keeping him upright and keeping the or improving the pass pro that is going to be something that they're going to want real quick. Um, yeah, switching to the defense, we're not going to find very much better stats here. Total defense, 85th in the country, 430 yards per game. Scoring defense, uh, equally not as great, 80th in the country, 32 points per game they gave up. Um, there were times when teams that played against Maryland gave up, uh, uh, they gave up points and they gave up points quick. Yeah, so on defense, they do bring a lot back from the line. And great safety tandem here. Yes. Right? Good. Nick Ross. Nick, Nick Cross, Cross is amazing. And Jordan Mosley. That's a fan. Uh, you know what? I'm, can I give a shout out to Nick Cross? Sure. State of Maryland. That dude could have transferred a lot of places. And I just give him a tip of the hat. He stayed there. Good point. You know? Like like you were talking about, you know, the types of teams that they get a guy and then, you know, yeah. Indiana. Nick Cross staying in Maryland. Quite the, quite the amazing feat. They have got to be average. They have got to stop the run a little, and they have got to get to the quarterback a little. I have not seen it out of uh, uh, their co-defensive coordinators, the the Brian crew, William uh, or Brian Williams and Brian Stewart. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know what I'm looking at here. That It has got to be a defense that comes together. I will say this. They've got a uh, uh, big-time five-star uh, linebacker that that they're looking at. And oh, never mind. Oh, Nobody's paying attention anyways. <laughs> Fanage Gote. Yeah, that's who it is. That's, that's who it is. is. That's who it is, yeah. Okay. That, but he's five-star He's five star recruit. Yeah. So is that somebody that you just see wind up making plays from day one because he's just that good? Well, we'll you, got, you got five-star Nick Cross. You got five-star Gote. I don't know. Yeah. They're going to have – those two are going to have to make a lot of plays. I would I would think they were going to have to make okay, a lot of plays. Okay, here's some good news. Yeah? Joseph Petrino's back, a kicker. Okay. Anthony oh, yeah, Pecorella is back at punter. Yep. Jeshwan Jones returning punts very back punter, there. He's very good. Yeah. Bad news? Special teams coordinator, Ron Zook. <laughs> How much you bench? How much you bench? I forgot about that. Oh, God. How does Zooker wind up on this staff? Well, because of Locks. Yeah. They, they had the were, connection going back to Illinois. That's right. That's so right. Zook hired Locks, and so Locks returned the favor, hired Zook. He, he was an analyst, and they promoted yeah. him, you know, obviously. Yeah. Great experience, excellent special teams coach, and I'm sure you'll see some really tight special teams play out in College Park, Maryland this year. How were how in all honesty, how was the special teams when he was at Illinois? Atrocious. <laughs> <laughs> and he left Illinois and went to the Packers. And I told my dad and my brother, be prepared for really atrocious special teams. And they like after one year they they were bitching so much about Zook and his special teams. <laughs> And they didn't believe me at first. Like, oh, sure, whatever. Yeah, uh, sure. Oh, man, that is hilarious. All right, moving on to the schedule. Um, this is a interesting non-conference schedule, um, starting out with West Virginia. I know. I, I'll say this. I'm going to be interested to watch it. I mean, I would watch any college football game you put in front of me right now. But West Virginia, Maryland, honestly, is 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 interesting TV to me. So I think... The your best bet for for you know game planning is give locks the entire off season. Yes. So I could yes. see them coming out That's of the right. gate. Yeah, hot. yeah, yeah. That's a good, very good point. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then they got Kent State. You know the Golden Flashes, high powered offense. I'm just saying that has got 45 to 42 
written all over it in that game. So whatever the over is on that game, I'm betting the over. All right, biggest game of the year. This is going to be kind of a crazy thought, but I've got Penn State. I don't think they're going to do it, but can you imagine if they beat Penn State two years in a row? Because you know Maryland wants to make this a rivalry. It's not, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that would certainly stoke the rivalry fires, but I'm going to go with at Illinois because that's a winnable game. Let's say you come out of the gate hot, you beat West Virginia, you're going to beat Howard, and if you beat Illinois, suddenly you've got some momentum heading into that Kent State game. Yeah. I like I like at Illinois. I mean, and, th- and there you go. They realistically, realistically, could be 4-0 Absolutely. with Iowa coming into town for Come a Friday night For a game. weird game. Yeah. Scary. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely possible. Speaking of scary, what do you got for scariest game? Okay, scariest game. So for me, I, I just said Penn State's their biggest game. If they're still, if they're still having a semblance of something to fight for in, at, versus Penn State, maybe they're still fighting for a bowl. Maybe they're... Maybe they have their dreams dashed in some case. Then you have to go on the road and play at Michigan State. To me, that's the scariest game of the year, hands down. At Michigan State. Yep, week after Penn State. I see that. I'm going to go with Kent State for the reasons you said. I mean, yeah. if, if it's a 45-44 game, anybody can win that game. Absolutely. Kent State, and that would be ugly. That's a great pick. Yeah. Yep. Curb stomp. I don't know. I got the Howard Bison. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, who are they going to curb stomp here? I don't so, see a curb stop on this. Okay. On this. Let's pretend that they do go 4-0. Okay. They got Iowa in that weird game. Not saying they're going to win it, but let's say they play Iowa well, get blown up by Ohio State. Okay. So, suddenly they're stacking wins here. If they're looking good at Rutgers at the, in that last game to, to go to a bowl game. Could be. That's that's the best I can come up with. For a curb stomp. For a curb stomp. Because you like to err towards a conference team. I like to err towards a conference team. I don't like to pick non-conference games. I understand that, but it's <clears> Maryland, <throat> and I'm picking the Howard Bison. It's the only thing I can see them curb stomping, unless Kent State just turns the ball over seven times. I don't know. All right, over-under is six. I'm going under. under. I don't know what is – what like, that line is like – what's going on with that? Here, like, let, let me let – me do, do you think that's mostly – the last name of their quarterback and looking at the receipt. I don't, I'm, I think it's the last name of the quarterback. And I think it's the fact that there is some serious talent on this team, but it's pretty much all in the perimeter. They don't have the, the lines of scrimmage. So, but I think national people that don't pay real close attention, all they hear about is Kim Jarrett, you know, Jeshwan Jones, Nick Cross. Tag Viola. Yeah. yeah. Tag Viola, Gote. I tell you what, if they're getting to six wins, if you are a person that's betting the over on this, you, you had better hope they beat West Virginia. That is a gigantic game for your over-under bet. I mean... But so, even if even if you bet the under and they beat West Virginia, I still think there's a pretty decent chance they go under the six. Oh, I agree. Um, I mean, the, the, the games I have a hard time seeing them win, and by hard time, I mean a very low chance. Iowa, Ohio State, Minnesota, Indiana, Penn State, Michigan. That's one, okay. two, three, four, five, six games right there that I don't expect them to win any of those games. No. So then you have to expect them to go Be perfect. six and zero versus the other ones. Okay. What is going on with this line? I don't know. By the way, this is the easiest line we've had to pick so far. What? What? Then am- that's why it scares me. Okay, but well, that's a good point. Yeah. But you just named five games in a row correct that they're you that neither of us think they have a chance really of winning correct and that doesn't mean i think they're going to beat michigan state or Rutgers. those are going to be tough of course ga- they are. games as well and by the way at illinois i honestly the only game. one i 100 feel good about them beating 
is Howard. That's why you picked him as curb stomp. And why this is I might run to the window right now, man. This is <laughs> this is an under. I don't know. Unless I unless I'm just unless they just now I will say this. This is this is their road to an over. Their offense just consistently jets past people and their defense is average. Like 70th in the country. But do we yeah, I just don't see their offense as a unit being good enough to just jet past people. Because I, I'm not convinced they can run the ball. I'm not convinced they can run the ball and at all. And if you can't run the ball in the Big Ten, you it's gonna don't be tough. get to, to a bowl game. Yeah. I don't know, dude. It most intriguing thing about that team okay. is that over-under. So I didn't have to think about the over-under at all. Yeah. But every other over-under I've had to really concentrate on. Something, something stinks in Denmark, man. So maybe that's why you stay away from it, though. Yeah, no balls, no babies, though. I mean, at some point, you just yeah. got to trust your gut. I tell you one thing, I ain't betting the over. I ain't going the opposite on this thing. I want to find a sports book. Yeah, let's look into that. Yeah. You got anything else? No, sir. I am Jeffrey Degree. I'm Big Kurt. This has been the Eyes on Big Cop podcast. We will talk to you soon. Okay.